From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon. Happy Friday. The week has gone by rapidly, but we're glad to have you joining us this evening on Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president here at the Family Research Council. An honor to be filling in for Tony and a great honor to have you joining us as well. All right, coming up on this edition of Washington Watch, former President Donald Trump continues to fight back against the efforts against him by prosecutors who are showing the nation that justice is not blind at the Department of Justice. When you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Of course, that was the former president giving remarks to the press yesterday after pleading not guilty to the four counts that he's been charged with from this latest indictment. I'll be joined in just a moment with Congressman Matt Rosendale to discuss the latest developments on that indictment. And did then Vice President Joe Biden really have no knowledge of his son Hunter Biden's business dealings? That's categorically false. I think that what what the he was aware of Hunter's business. He met with Hunter's business partners. He, I mean, you found a letter that that illustrates that he knew me. And he's thanking you. <laughs> he's thanking you for so, his efforts. So I think that was for, yeah, I think your effort. Yeah. <laughs> Well, of course, that was Hunter Biden's former business associate, Devin Archer, in an interview with Tucker Carlson that was released today. And we will also be talking with Congressman Rosendale about that and the latest developments on that issue as well. And this may come as a shock to many of you, but child marriage is still legal in the state of California. And guess who's trying to keep it that way? Well, groups like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. We'll discuss this later with Jonathan Keller of the California Family Council. And some important dates are coming up that you need to remember. It's all coming out of Ohio. And even if you're not from that state, you'll want to be aware of what's taking place there. It could impact the entire nation. I'll be joined later with Aaron Baer of the Center for Christian Virtue on that issue. And then also on today's program, the American Academy of Pediatrics Board has commissioned an external review of so-called gender-affirming care. Well, will, it, will this lead to some backtracking, as we've seen it to do in Europe? We'll be discussing this with Dr. Jennifer Bowens a little bit later. And then finally in the program, we've got some good news that we want to bring your way. Operation Cross Country, now in its 13th year, successfully rescued 200 victims of sex trafficking during the nationwide effort last month. That also included the identification or arrest of more than five dozen suspected human traffickers and 126 individuals accused of child sexual exploitation and trafficking offenses. That was Special Agent Bob Tripp of the FBI's San Francisco office earlier this week. I'll talk about this at the end of the program with Patrick Truman of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. So we've got a tremendous program lined up for you. And again, you don't want to miss it. But if by chance you do, you can always catch this and other programs at our website, 
TonyPerkins.com. So keep that website handy and use it. A lot of great resources available there for you as well. All right, earlier today in a court filing, former President Donald Trump pleaded not guilty to new charges from Special Counsel Jack Smith uh, that was brought against him last week in regard to the classified documents case. Now, this is different from his not guilty plea in federal court yesterday to char charges that Smith brought regarding the 2020 election interference case. Uh, look, to be very honest with you, it's getting hard to keep track of everything that these prosecutors are firing at the former president, uh, especially as the election is getting closer. But the question is, can Americans believe that all of these indictments are just coincidental in regard to their timing? Do we really believe that none of this is politically driven? Well, with me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Matt Rosendale. He serves on the House Committee on Veterans Affairs as well as Natural Resources. He's a member of the House Freedom Caucus. He represents the great state of Montana. Congressman Rosendale, always great to see you. Welcome back to the Washington Watch program. Thank you so much for having me on, Jody. <laughs> well, it's always our pleasure. All right, so uh, give me your take on these new indictments of the former president. So you were with us, Jody, uh, when we were there on uh, January of 21, and the president at that time, Trump, had actually offered additional support for Mayor Bowser, for Nancy Pelosi, National Guard troops to help with crowd control. It was simply to help with crowd control because they were anticipating a, a large gathering of people to, to come to the Capitol. And Nancy Pelosi rejected the support. Mayor Bowser rejected the support, and what we have yet to get answers to, you and I, we sat there last year when they, when they you know, did all their investigations. What they never did question was, when was Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Bowser given information to say, you need to have additional security around the Capitol to make sure that you can have crowd control? Who gave them that information? Why did they deny it? And, and so now we come to this point and say, why is it that the only person who tried to provide additional security is the one who's being charged with some type of a crime? Meanwhile, the, the, the people across our country, they're not deaf, dumb, and blind. They actually have eyes that they can see and ears that they can hear. And, and so when they look at information coming out that says that our current president has been compromised by China, that his son was compromised by uh, Ukraine and Russians, and that they received millions and millions of dollars that had been funneled and laundered through these different uh, nations and through their family members. And, and yet we can't get the Department of Justice to bring a single charge against them. This is wrong. And everybody recognizes that it's wrong, and they're losing confidence in these institutions. And, and so it's it's as frustrating for me as a member of Congress to see this going on as well, because all we can continue to do is raise the awareness of the general public, shed light on all these terrible things that were taking place uh, pre-Biden administration, post-Biden uh, administration, and say and demand to the uh, Department of Justice that they do something about it. And if they don't, Again, it falls back to the power of the purse strings, and that's why I joined 
with my colleague and your former colleague, Matt Gates from Florida, to say, you know something? We're going to introduce legislation to completely defund the Department of Justice's uh, offices of that special counsel for Jack Smith and then put an end to this charade. Well, thank you for the, you guys leading the charge in this. You know, it's and and what you just laid out is man is so vivid in my memory, as you as you well know. Uh, and and if there's any two people who really know what took place, it's Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Bowser. But of course, they have been off limits to deal with. Let's go though to Special Counsel Jack Smith himself. What kind of concerns do you have with him? There, there are also some issues in his background. There are. There's, there's a, a clear bias that has been established, not only with Jack Smith, but with the people that he has on his team, if you will, and several of the witnesses that he's dependent upon. And, and the perception of a prosecutor, an investigator, has to be crystal clear. Okay, there cannot be any perception, even a perception of of any kind of a bias towards or against anyone that they are dealing with. And that just isn't the case here, uh, Jody. And so, again, people are losing confidence in these institutions. And the president is exactly right. This is election interference. Everyone sees it for exactly what it is. And and we are concerned. Look, I just spent five days traveling around the state of Montana. Fortunately, the Republicans are in charge of the House of, of Representatives this year. And, and so when they say we're going to be off in August, I actually know that I was going to be in the state for the entire month. And and I have yet to talk to anybody in Montana after traveling around for five days to a lot of the state that says, yeah, we really think that that President Trump uh, committed some kind of a crime and, and needs to be prosecuted. Every single person I talk to says, we think that this is an absolute sham, that it is uh, the, the work of a biased, biased Department of Justice. And when I tell them that I've introduced legislation to defund that, that segment of the Department of Justice, they, they assure me that I have their support. That's, that's tremendous. Well, you know, it's, it's concerning that equal justice under the law seems to be going down a path to where it's nothing more than just a slogan under this administration. And that, I think, is what really is frightening to the American people. We have always respected the rule of law. Lady Justice has always been blindfolded so that the the law was the issue, not the individual and not the party. But all of that seems to be changing right now. What are you anticipating in the coming weeks? And what do, what do you think is going to happen? What, what do you hope is going to happen? So what I would hope would happen is that uh, we would be able to bring this uh, legislation up. We would be able to pass it through the House of Representatives, and, and I would urge my colleagues in the United States Senate to support it as well. And, and then if we have enough outcry from the people across this country, Jody, then we can get this president to sign it in, into our law. There are people on both sides of the aisle that are looking at what is taking place right now and say, you know, if they can take the former president and they can generate this kind of charges out of thin air uh, to to keep him from being the nominee, to keep him from winning uh, the uh, presidency again, 
then what in the world are they able to do to the common man on the street? They, they easily can pick you up, generate some charges, and have you jailed for, for an incredible amount of time uh, because you didn't happen to agree with their political uh, policies. And, and that, in this country, is absolutely unheard of and is fearful. As you said, uh, equal justice under the law, it, it can't be just a slogan. It has to be a reality. All right, in just over a minute that we have of remaining, uh, your quick input on the Devin Archer interview. Uh, boy, this is uh, tough news on the president. Yeah, we continue to hear facts, okay, and corroborated information that show that he was part of this family business, uh, this family crime syndicate that was squeezing, there's no other way to put it, that was squeezing uh, businesses and industries across the country and across the globe to make sure that uh, their family was enriched. And that is problematic. I, I introduced legislation uh, probably three months ago. Uh, it's called the Stock Act to keep members of Congress and their families from purchasing individual stocks because they have not only information, delicate information about businesses and industries, but they literally have the ability to influence regulatory and tax climate to, to affect the value of stocks. And when I came out to the press conference there, I said, you know, when you become a public servant, you have got to seconds. make a decision whether you're going to be a public servant or a profiteer. And unfortunately, I think the Biden family has made decisions they're going to be profiteers. Congressman Matt Rosendale, Montana, your great American, great friend. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thanks for having me on, Jody. All right, friends, coming up, coming up, crazy things continue happening in California at this time about child marriages. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host this evening, Jody Heiss, and we appreciate you joining us. Well, this may come as a shock to many of you, but child marriage is still legal in the state of California. And while there's a lot of efforts underway to ban it, there is also significant opposition. Well, from where is the opposition coming? Well, it's coming from liberal organizations like Planned Parenthood and like the Children's Law Center, and like the American Civil Liberties Union. Should we be surprised? Well, joining me now to talk about all of this is the um, uh, president and CEO of California Family Council, Jonathan Keller. Jonathan, welcome back to Washington Watch. Uh, I understand you're in your car. Thank you for taking time to uh, join us this evening on Washington Watch. Well, thank you, Congressman. Yeah, it's uh, it's never a dull moment here in California. I'm on my way down to Biola University to speak to a group of homeschool speech and debate students about the importance of worldview and the importance of engaging with culture. Uh, so I'm really grateful to join you, even though it's not not ideal studio conditions, but I'm grateful to be with you. Hey, listen, we're grateful, too. And God bless you for going out and proclaiming a Christian worldview to these young people. Uh, we're grateful for that. All right, let's get into it. Look, I, I've got to be honest honest with you, Jonathan. I felt like I was accidentally reading something from Babylon B or something when I was reading this. It just seems so surreal. Uh, am I reading this correctly? Tell us uh, about the child marriages in California. Yeah, so it's interesting. In California, obviously, I think everyone knows we are a very progressive state. Uh, it is kind of tragic to see how far the left has pushed things. But one area that is very just out of character is the fact that they are still trying to not outlaw child marriage. They are basically worried that anything that allows children to be protected from these very serious decisions is going to impact the left's view of gender and sexuality and abortion. That's why you have groups like Planned Parenthood who are actually opposed 
to reforming the child marriage laws here in the state of California. Essentially, what we have is liberal legislators and liberal activist groups that are saying the very most important thing for us as an organization, the very most important thing is to protect the rights of young people to make these very serious decisions related to their sexual identity, their gender identity, or even the life of children in the womb. And as a result, they don't even want to risk the fact that opening the door and saying maybe children shouldn't be making these types of decisions as it comes to marriage, they're worried that somehow that would affect them being able to choose abortion. And that's exactly what Planned Parenthood has been saying. Wow. So there, there is a bill that is attempting to ban these type of child marriages. What is the status of it? Does it have any chance of making progress and getting across the finish line? Well, that really remains to be seen. I don't think that it's probably going to make it through this legislative session. We are currently on recess until August 14th. Then we'll come back for kind of a fight to the finish uh, one month of session. But I think that bill is probably not going to go anywhere before the end of this legislative season. I think next year it's possible that that could come back. But the real interesting thing here is it exposes, I think, how the left, instead of trying to protect children, they really are doing everything they can to all emancipate them from their parents in everything but actual technical name. And we saw this a couple years ago where there was a bill that uh, tried to expand the ability of children to have sexual relationships with people up to 10 years older than them. Uh, with lowering penalties, making it much less likely that the adults would be prosecuted and punished. We've seen it this year with other bills like AB 665 and AB 957, both of which try to essentially give young people the ability to emancipate themselves when it comes to making decisions about gender transition procedures. Uh, AB 665, Congressman, even would allow young people as young as 12 to check themselves into a residential treatment facility for the purposes of, a chain, uh, of obtaining gender-affirming care. So this thing regarding child marriages, these other bills regarding gender transition, it's all part of the same poisonous fruit that we see coming out of Sacramento. Well, it really is, and it's stunning the lengths that these people will go to to defend and protect abortion. It seems like this is just another example of the left literally sacrificing our children as part of their worship of abortion. I mean, it just, it's its ugly. It's its just vile in, in every way that there's not even a, a desire from these to stand up and protect children in, in any capacity. Okay, I believe we've lost Jonathan. He's uh, in the car right now on his way to speak to a group of, of young people. But y'all listen, th this is a, a, an incredible situation that we have here, that we have people in California literally not trying to ban child marriages. And where does this go? I mean, where is the end, literally, of sacrificing our children? from the, the transgender 
uh, hormone treatments and all this kind of stuff that's being pushed down our throats to the uh, inappropriate literature that's being taught in our schools, uh, the over-sexualization from kindergarten age students all the way up. Uh, where does it stop and why? And so the question in full circle, and I'm sorry we didn't get the opportunity to ask Jonathan this, because I wanted to, to ask from the perspective of someone who's actually there with boots on the ground. But the question comes down to what should our viewers and listeners be doing in the midst of all of this? Absolutely, unquestionably. Uh, the number one thing is we've got to be praying. And I'm grateful that this story is coming our way on Friday because we're just two days away from Sunday. And many of you will be in Bible study classes. You will be with other believers. I want to make this an issue of prayer and encourage you to do the same. We need to be praying for what's happening in California and the continued assault on our children. This type of stuff needs to stop. It must stop. And then we have many of you in California and many of you have friends and family in California as well. I want to encourage you to reach out to them, encouraging them to reach out to their representatives as well. All right, friends, what a story. Coming up next Tuesday, speaking of important days, August 8th, incredibly important day, not only for Ohio, but our whole nation. Stick around. I'll tell you about it. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you joining us this evening. I'm Jody Heiss, your host, and we appreciate you joining us. I was just informed we're having some trouble connecting with uh, with our our, uh, la our guest who's to come on to discuss Ohio. Hopefully we'll bring that 
uh, to you here in just a few moments. But there's also another critically important uh, issue that is developing that probably is running under the radar of many, many people across the country. Uh, and this is the whole thing of AI, artificial intelligence, and where this thing is moving. I mean, there are obviously many good things that can come from it, but there are many horrifying things that can take place as well. And we all know that within every person is a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped hole, if you will. And there are some who are trying to fill that hole with artificial intelligence. It's remarkable. It's stunning where all of this is going. Well, in the midst of all of this, uh, the, the big struggle is underway in the, the whole aspect of where artificial intelligence is, is going and the role that the United States should have in restricting it and also restricting it from certain nations such as China or Russia uh, or whomever. So here right now joining me to highlight some of this is Washington Stands editor uh, and chief Jared Bridges. Jared, thank you so much for coming on Washington Watch. We appreciate you uh, coming on board. Glad to be here. Yeah, we've got this AI boom within the last year. You've seen it explode everywhere, and it's and it's it's going across a lot of different fronts, and, and including government, like you said. Um, we've got um, uh, Congressman Mike Gallagher from Wisconsin uh, within the last week sent a, a letter to the Biden administration urging them to. Uh, clamp down on um, exports of AI technology to China. Um, you know, just concerns that that we're just gifting things that could be used against us. Um, you've had in even in recent uh, months, um, AI experts um, testifying before Congress and asking to be regulated. Uh, so you've it's 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 going. At, at a pace where um, a lot of confusing things are happening, a lot of work, a lot of um, from tech companies and from government agencies, it's it's coming out that um, this is an issue that we need to deal with. Well, it is, and you know, I, there's so many aspects of it. When you think of uh, something that's as critically important as artificial intelligence in the hands of our enemies. I mean, where could that take us? But, you know, this whole thing, I was reading, seeing an article about uh, people wanting to actually use this somehow as a, uh, how do you say, as a new religion or a new way of filling that God-shaped uh, vacuum yeah. in people's lives. How is this yeah. supposed to unfold? Well, a, a week before uh, Elon Musk changed the Twitter to X, he launched a company called XAI. And the whole purpose of this new AI company that he's he's brought in these brilliant minds from from across the world to work on this. And the the purpose, the stated purpose of XAI is to understand the mysteries of the universe through artificial intelligence. And you know he's looking at mysteries like uh, UFOs, uh, what's the UFO problem? What is dark matter? Things like that. But you're starting to see people put this this great hope in artificial intelligence. It's it's stunning. So, where uh, is there a glimmer of hope 
Jared, in all of this uh, debate over AI? Is there something, a silver lining that we can look to? Well, I, I think, you know, certainly with, with any technology, technology can be used for good. And, and I think Christians can can apprehend these the good that's in in any technology. Uh, we, you know, everybody uses it. We 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 use it in our you know maps or 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 Siri or things like that. But it I, I think that the hope is that this is something that's that is made in the image of man and is not um and humans are made in the image of God. We don't have to worry about being replaced by AI. Now, it's, sure, it can replace some jobs, um, but that that's been going on for since the Industrial Revolution. But we've had um, there is there is something about humanity that is, can't be replaced because we are created in the image of God. Absolutely. Well, Jared Bridges, I want to thank you for. Uh, keeping a pulse on this, this is certainly something we we will continue to watch and monitor as it goes forward. And thank you for joining us on Washington Watch this evening. Good to be good to be here. All right, folks. I want to. Uh, unfortunately, we're not able to get Aaron Bear, who is supposed to be joining me. He's the president of the Center for Christian Virtue. We had some problems getting him, but I want to highlight what's about to take place in Ohio. We have talked about this. We've tried to keep you informed on it, but this coming Tuesday, August 8th, uh, there's going to be a decision made of enormous consequence. It uh, revolves around issue one, which is uh, right now Ohio can change their state constitution by a simple majority. Well, that's one thing. But what's coming later this year is a vote on abortion. There's an attempt to change the state constitution and radically legalize abortion right now. Issue one is a dead tie. It's straight up 42 to 41 percent. So if you know people in Ohio, now's the time to roll your sleeves up, call them and have them get in touch with their representatives. Now's the time uh, to get into it all. All right, friends, we've got much more coming your way right after the break. You don't want to miss it. And we have some good news. We'll share all of it on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free factual news stories, and commentaries, all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. FRC celebrating 40 years with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Wishing everybody at Family Research Council a happy 40th anniversary. As a church, it's our joy to partner with such a great ministry like yours you're on the front line of fighting for faith, family, and freedom. So thank you, Tony Perkins, all the staff, and all the volunteers at Family Research Council, and happy 40th anniversary. And thank you, Pastor Gary Hamrick, Cornerstone Chapel man. Listen, I wish we had a country full of pastors like Gary Hamrick, uh, and again, we are honored to be celebrating the 40th anniversary here at FRC. And one way that you can participate that that will be a life-changing and certainly a memorable experience in every way. You can join us September 15th through 17th, as you just heard, in Washington, D.C. for this year's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit as we celebrate our 40 years of standing for faith, for family, for freedom. You can register. It's open. Go to PrayVoteStand.org for details and to register. That's PrayVoteStand.org. And we look forward to seeing you in Washington this September. All right. Well, yesterday there was a 16 board member, uh, members of the American Academy of Pediatrics, also simply known as AAP. Uh, they met yesterday and reaffirmed that group's 2018 guidance on so-called gender-affirming care for minors. But it also commissioned an external review of trans-related procedures, recognizing that, quote, additional details would be helpful. So according to AAP Chairman and CEO Mark Del Monte, 
you know, the question is all coming up. What are these reviews that they think is going to be helpful? Where's it going to take us? Will it take us down a path similar to some European nations who are now backtracking on some of the positions that they previously held on trans uh, procedures for minors? Or is this going to take them down a path of doubling down on their position? Well, join me now to discuss this is Dr. Jennifer Bowens. She's the, 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 the uh, director uh, of uh, Family Studies here at Family Research Council. Dr. Bowens, thank you for joining me. Always great to see you. It's good to be back with you, Jody. Thank you. All right, so let's, um, I guess probably one of the first questions most people would have is, uh, let's look at the European countries. Uh, they've looked at all the medical research on these so-called gender-affirming care procedures for minors, and they've reversed course. What, did, what are we looking at now? Is that what the AAP is uh, looking at, do you think, or what's really underneath going on? Yeah, I, I think that they're succumbing to a bit of pressure. Um, we certainly are seeing a number of lawsuits that are coming out um, from brave young men and women who are uh, saying that how, how much damage this has done to their being, not just their bodies, but their their psychological and spiritual selves. And, um, you know, so, so AAP... Um, affirmed that, yes, we still believe that this is the path forward, but we're willing to do this review. Well, I, I think um, just the fact, regardless of their motivation, I think we can celebrate one point here, which is uh, just the fact that they're doing the review is an admission that the science indeed is not settled, as our president and our HHS secretary and assistant secretary have uh, proclaimed about this practice. But there's nothing settled about this practice. And as we're seeing the European countries come out and say, this is not a helpful practice. Now, our uh, my own nation is having to come to grips with this. So, um, yes, I am very cautious about what the results of, of this review will be, because I know uh, firsthand the political nature of science. Uh, but at the same time, I do want to celebrate that they are admitting that it's not settled and and they need to go back and look at this, uh, what the science is actually saying. Well, that's a good point that just the fact that they're even considering such a study does underscore the fact that the science is still out there, which we all know what the science says. Look, you can't make a boy a girl. You can't make a girl a boy. That. Uh, that it is is really relatively simple in that regard, and yet I understand we've got to go through all the procedures, all the studies. But is it a bit unusual, given this scenario, that the AAP would continue to support the so-called gender-affirming care before this review has concluded? Yeah, I, it's it is unusual. Um, if you see a red flag, you should stop. <laughs> um, right. But but actually, you know. It, even going further back, I mean, it's it is this admission should put a halt. But even way before all of this ever started, we should have been really cautious. Even if you don't have the same worldview that um, that we have about uh, God's creation, regardless, the science itself should tell you that we are not in a place to move forward with the kinds of interventions that are at this level of uh, this level of invasion of um, a child's body 
Um, there's so many unanswered questions in the research, uh, not to mention the research methods themselves. They're, they're really poor methods. They're the kinds of methods that you would see at the very beginning of a research agenda. So that's why I say way before this practice that we're, where we're at right now, requesting a review, we should have way back when said, you know what, <laughs> we don't have enough information uh, we have a lot of unanswered questions, basic questions that other um, diagnoses that are well-researched but still have questions. There's way more information with those practices, and this is this is the most invasive practice. So that's what I think we need to keep hammering at, is that this has the least amount of evidence for the most invasive type of interventions with, with not a lot of knowledge about what are, not, not just to mention the, the physical ramifications, but we don't understand the psychological ramifications of stopping puberty, of inter introducing social transition, introducing these hormones. There are psychological implications as well, and those haven't even been discussed. Well, let me throw this out to you because this is kind of where I see this going. I'd like to get your take on it. The Wall Street Journal, I imagine you probably saw, but they, they recently reported that AAP, the CEO there, said that this whole review reflected uh, the fact that they are very concerned about restrictions that they are seeing take place across the country, obviously referring to red states and the many states that are putting restrictions on some of this. So it appears to me that what they're doing, they're going to have this little study and they're going to say, OK, we, we studied this, but we our study says it's all safe. It's good for us to proceed. But so they're going to try to uh, give the appearance of doing authentic study and following the science. Uh, but at the all at the same time, they're trying to attack states that are trying to put it to an end. And so at the end of the day, I just see this as just nothing but another political ploy. Am I barking up the right tree or no? No, I think you're absolutely barking up the right tree. You know, and just, just the framing of some of these articles, uh, the way they talk about supporters of of children of healthy practices um they you know call us christian right wing etc cetera, etc cetera. it's like well you know if they never characterize the other side as atheist humanist or etc <laughs> you know so even in the framing of a lot of these arguments it's it um should bring questions to mind because we're purely talking about this some of the science that has been used to prop up these um uh practices and and if the review comes back and it looks very different than the other countries then we should be raising more red flags and asking for greater transparency of the reviewers themselves of the data that they're using to analyze and not to mention again like i said before the what are the questions that haven't been asked why isn't anyone curious about this new cohort of uh, young women who are identifying as transgender when that has not been for the historical norm? And there are so many research questions we could spend a whole segment on that are that are missing from this area of study that should be answered before one child is even remotely put on uh, any kind of puberty blocker, cross-sex hormone, and definitely a not a surgery. 
Awesome information, Dr. Jennifer Bowens. Thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch and for all your incredible work. We're extremely grateful. Thank you, Jody. Good all right, folks, it. you bet. All right, to close out the show, I want to draw attention to an encouraging development in an area that really needs just tons of prayer and action. But earlier this week, the FBI announced that law enforcement last month rescued more than 200 sex trafficking victims across the country as part of Operation Cross Country, uh, which is now in its 13th year. And while this is an area that certainly we can applaud the FBI, uh, but we all know they didn't do it by themselves. There's a lot of, of uh, cooperation involved in a, an operation like this. And thankfully, there were a number of groups out there fighting to rid the world of sexual abuse and exploitation. And one of my guests is one of those type of people. Joining me now is Patrick Truman. He's the president of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Patrick, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you very much, Jody. Good to be here. Well, thank you. All right, let's start off with Operation Cross Country. Tell us more about that operation. Well, annually, the FBI does these raids. It's a lot of preparation that goes into it. And it's a very good thing, but I have a couple of concerns about it. Uh, not to take anything away from those involved in rescuing the victims, but uh, I don't see us making any progress. Congress passed the first anti-trafficking bill in 2001, and you could hardly argue that things have gotten better since then, despite the work of the FBI and others. And that's because, for the most part, we don't address the root causes, the demand for trafficking victims. Why is there a demand? And that demand is created by a couple of factors. Pornography. Uh, children today are raised on pornography, and as they get to be young men, they're after they see the pornography, they're going out and visiting prostituted women, most of whom are trafficked women. And uh, they're watching all manner of pornography. They may not start with child pornography, but many of them land on that. They get a, a, attracted to it, and they want child victims. And child victims are very available on these uh, social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you can find child uh, children there to groom and have sex with. And then what happens to those children? They are traded off to others. Uh, traffic may be taken away from their parents. Some of those children are still living at home, still going to school, but in their off time, they're uh, being trafficked. So uh, we have to address root causes, such as pornography, such as these uh, platforms like Instagram and Facebook and the others, Congress years ago passed the Communications Decency Act and gave immunity to all these platforms for material that they don't put on their uh, platform. So if someone is trafficking on their site, like Twitter said in a lawsuit, uh, we're not responsible, even though we know it goes on. Well, well, they could just turn that off or kick those people off who are trafficking. But this uh, immunity uh, has to be challenged. Congress will do nothing about it. But we have to get the courts to do something about it. And thankfully, we've got a wonderful case going to the Supreme Court right now uh, on behalf of two children who were trafficked on Twitter, hoping to erase that immunity for tech companies. Wow. 
Well, you know, I think also something that's helping right now is the recently released movie, The Sound Freedom, uh, of course, is covering this, the sex trafficking issue, uh, particularly in South America. And, you know, while, while the film has certainly ignited all sorts of conversations, I had a text from someone just today that just saw the movie yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's having an impact. It is creating conversations and all this sort of thing. But at the end of the day, every concerned citizen uh, can play a role in making a difference. Uh, so uh, talk about that real quickly, both from the perspective of what your organization does and what our viewers and listeners can do to be part of the solution. Well, when you know there's a trafficked child, uh, you know, you, you have to do all you can to make sure it doesn't happen to another child, not just rescue that one child and rest on your laurels. So that's what we do. We have a mass scale prevention program underway. Uh, and that program you can find on, on our website, endsexualexploitation.org. But essentially what we are doing is killing demand for trafficking by killing the factors that cause demand. And you need to read up on that at that website. But for example, Instagram, I mentioned them twice here. Uh, we interviewed uh, several girls at a site in Washington, D.C., where they rescue child victims of sex trafficking, which goes on, of course, in our country all over. But we uh, interviewed those girls to find out what, how did they get trafficked. Every one of them was trafficked on Instagram. And that's a site used by wow. so many We've got about 20 seconds. So uh, I would just encourage you to check into our website, endsexualexploitation.org, and you'll see how to prevent this very thing from happening. Well, Patrick Truman, I want to thank you and your incredible organization, the National Center for Sexual Exploitation, for stepping into an ugly arena and making a difference. And I encourage our listeners to check out uh, your, your organization and learn how they can be more engaged as well. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, friends, that wraps up another day and another week here at Washington Watch. Hope you have a fantastic weekend. Go to your Bible studies, your places of worship, and pray for our country. Until next week, have a great weekend. God bless. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.